0: Looks like we made it we made it everybody it's friday man Can you believe it time flies when you're having fun tell you that much huh and no one's having more fun than us no one is having more fun than we are right now i'm on my way to work it's a beautiful day got us some coffee just trying to organize my savage thoughts of the day You ever have like just some, like sometimes, oh man, sometimes I think to myself the way other people describe us may be eerily accurate. And in this instance, I was thinking about Nick Cannon. And I got, I got to tell you, I want to say thanks to that guy. I don't really agree with a lot of the stuff he said, but the guy spoke his mind. It may not be a solid foundation for an argument that I would put together, but the guy said what he thought was true and he, st- he stands by it, man. You gotta like it. You gotta like it. And it makes me think about, you know, different races and different colors and different, you know, just Different people have different ideas about other groups of people You know and It doesn't mean they're wrong. It just means from where that particular person is standing This is how the world looks And if you want to get into like the Buddhist mindset Everybody you are everyone you yeah, you the guy you you young lady you little young sir you are everyone. So everything you hear is an opinion about how you look from a different point of view. I know that's a it's a mouthful, but if you take time to dissect it, it'll make sense. And so, like, if you think about Nick Cannon going, these white people are savages. You know, a lot of people get mad and they're like, hey, damn it, I'm not a savage. You're a savage. No, you're a savage. No, you're a savage. Like, just... See, I don't look at it like that. Like I, I look at it like, okay, from where that guy is standing, his life experiences have taught him that, you know, these, some of these, I don't know, I think he said white people were savages. And from where he's standing, from his life experience, that is his truth. There's nothing wrong with his truth. It doesn't have to be your truth. It's his truth. But it got me thinking, you know, I think to myself like hmm You know initially when you're younger you you get upset when someone says something because you think that they're you think it's a an ad hominem attack just leveled at you but it's not it's just his truth so I try to think about it objectively and I'm like are white people savages? And it you know it What about Randy Macho Man Savage? Was that guy a savage? That guy was definitely a savage. Oh, yeah. Snap into a slim gym, Miss Elizabeth. Right? His name was Randy Macho Man Savage. And he was a white guy. But how about in other areas are white people savages? Well, let's, let's think about criminals. Let's think about... Uh, That's kind of a loaded term. Like, we're all kind of criminals. However, let's look at the people that are incarcerated for crimes that are major. What, if there was an award for best criminal bank robber, who would win that? It wouldn't be Willie Orton. Even though that guy has a great line of, hey, Willie, why do you rob banks? Because that's where the money is where the money is the best bank robbers are people like ceos of banking companies like that's a great bank robber because he doesn't see he's taking his time to realize you can't break in the front door and hold up a squirt gun to a teller and ask for some money you don't get that much money but if you infiltrate the system and take it over you could take all the money it's a way better way to rob an institution. I don't condone robbing, even though I'm a savage. But if you look at the people in positions of authority that commit white-collar crime, I would argue that a large percentage of them are either white or Jewish. If you look at serial killers, I think white people win that one, hands down. And if you think about it like that, all of a sudden, Nick Cannon's ideas about savages kind of make sense. You know, even, like I, I can't experience life from a different person's perspective. However, I can pretend to. And so, you know, I look at myself as like I think to myself like dude I'm kind of a savage like I think crazy shit sometimes especially if I'm tired or if like I'm I'm mad at something like sometimes I think of funny savage shit like I gotta go every day at work I have to go through like this metal detector (laughs) and it's so asinine because the reason I have to go through the metal detector is because the people at my work are afraid I'm going to come in with a gun and kill them. That's the main reason you have to go through a metal detector at my work. So get you like you got to ask yourself, how does a company get to the point where they want their people to be patted down and have their belongings searched for weapons? Like, what the fuck does that mean about the company? Okay, we got to put up this, uh... So we have to hire a private security team to check our employees to make sure they won't kill us. That is savage. <clears throat> That's a different kind of savage. I'm saying, as me coming in, like, it, <clears throat> I think it makes anybody coming in feel automatically dehumanized. And then it, it just reinforces the feeling of negativeness or... It reinforces the ideas that the people that are supposed to be your leaders don't trust you. And that's the very first message we send to the employees when they come into the, to to work. Hey, before you get into work, I just want to let you know that I think you might kill me and I don't trust you one bit. So a lot of times what happens is the guys come in, they come in there and they're, Whether they're conscious or unconscious, they just, they get mad because they don't like their shit searched. And then it, I've seen guys blow up on the security guards that are searching their stuff and I've done it before. I've got all mad at them. Like, dude, here, why don't you look at everything inside my bag? Here, why don't, this is a toothpick. I have 25 of them. Let's go over each toothpick in here and I want you to say the name of the little color of plastic on the fucking toothpick as I pull them out. And then we're going to count them. Right? And then you just hold up the line. Like There's 25 people behind me. And I'm fucking going into, okay, this is toothpick number 75. What color is it? Okay, now I want you to rename every color of toothpick so far. And this kid's like, what the fuck are you talking about? And I'm like, you wanted to search through my shit, right? Let's search through my shit. Hey, here, you know, <laughs> and then I, I think like, This is where like the savage part comes in Like now I carry some old underwear in my bag It's clean but nobody knows that So now when the security guard wants to look through my bag I pull out the old underwear and I'm like Hey man, this is a pair of my old underwear Sometimes I drink too much milk and like I fart But a little bit of shit comes out And I just want you, the security guard, to take a look at it And let me know if you think I should use like powdered soap or liquid soap just smell it, Rufus. It doesn't smell bad, but I, I was wondering what, what would you use to get this shit stain out of my underwear? You know what I mean? Like the fact that I would think about that and potentially have that in my bag so I could pull off that maneuver is fucking savage. Right? It's not that guy's fault. He doesn't want to look at my shitty underwear. He probably doesn't want to look at my bag. He probably doesn't want to be at work. But the fact that my where I work at Is so afraid that i'm gonna come in and kill them like they're setting the tone for that i would never ever hurt or kill anybody however it's just weird to me that where you work has to be worried about that maybe instead of being worried about their employees doing something negative to them maybe they should change the policies in which the people feel like they're dehumanized enough to want to hurt them. Right? Right. Now, this is starting off to be a good morning. Man, I I started off, I was going to have an awesome idea about Fridays and language and here I am talking about negative things going on. Okay, let's, let's fast forward just a little bit. Hmm. Where do we go from here? So that leads me, it's actually, you know what? It actually is a really good segue. It segues into what I want to get into and what I'm passionate about is language, Right? The policies that dehumanize. What are policies? Policies are a set of rules or language that lays out the structure of the environment. And previously, we had talked a lot about change your language, change your life. We have talked about how the ideas you have, the thoughts you have become ideas, become feelings, become patterns, become habits. And that all starts with your thoughts, and that's why it's important to watch your thoughts. So getting back to language, you know, in language, in our language, the English language. You know, I remember being in high school and and thinking to myself, probably because it just didn't seem like an interesting subject to me. And you could blame, I could blame the teacher, I could blame my, it doesn't matter who you blame. For whatever reason, when I went to school, English was not interesting to me. I thought to myself, I already speak English. What the hell do I gotta learn it for? I don't get it. I can already speak this. You know, you got people like, the dangling participle is over here. The the verb goes here. This is an adverb. For whatever reason, I didn't find it exciting. But now that I'm older, I begin to understand that how you structure your language, you structure your life. And whether you choose to do it consciously or unconsciously, you're still structuring it. And as we read yesterday, we look, we know we're also working on language and social engineering because language is a huge part of social engineering. So let me define how language is a, is a key component in social engineering. In the English language, we have the subject-object relationship, right? That's part of the grammatical structure. The subject is the person or thing doing something, and the object is having something done to it. Does that make sense? So I love you, I would be the subject you would be the object. And that's how our language is laid out. If you look at the structure of language and the way in which we talk to one another, then you will see one person is usually being the subject and the other person is being the object. And so, when you think about subject and object not only in linguistic terms but in reality what is an object an object is something that you do something to let's say that object is the ball i take the ball and i throw the ball the ball is the object but what what you know what is Here's the soccer ball. I take a soccer ball and I kick the soccer ball. It's an object. It's easy to... You could kick a soccer ball. You could punch a punching bag. Right? The punching bag is the object. See, it's easy. And then... And then... Here we go. That's what it means when we objectify women. Women. I know people have heard that term, right? That's kind of what porn does. Porn objectifies women. It turns them into an object. And everybody knows that one. Everybody knows the term objectifying women. But that's just the beginning. What we've done is we've objectified humanity. Does that make sense? There's the subject-object relationship of grammar has fundamentally changed in a negative way our societal structure of relationships. The language we use, subject-object, creates a world where people are inferior. The subject-object relationship creates a world in which, There can be no semblance of equality. The subject and object are not equal. They will never be equal. It's our language that is holding us back in life. It is our language that is not allowing us to reach to the levels of prosperity that people deserve to have regardless of their skin color. It's our language that is limiting us. You know, I was talking to a a couple friends of mine last night. And just a real quick side note, I love all you guys. I love you guys. I have this one friend that can fix goddamn anything. Anything. And it's so infuriating because I can't fix shit. I mean, I can put some duct tape on things. You know, I can rig it so it'll work. But I can't fucking make it look like new. And I have one friend that makes it look so effortlessly. And I love him. But I get so mad because he can do it and I can't. Not really mad. But there was one instance where we were... I think we were working on my... we're trying to move my washer and dryer in, and drill a hole and stuff. And like, you know, I I was working on this goddamn thing all day. And then I finally call that guy and break down. And he comes over and it's like, he did the equivalent. Like I've been working on something for hours and he did the equivalent of just turning the nut like 15 degrees. And it was perfect. You know, it, it just dawned on me when I think about that, it's like all the profound it seems to me that a lot of the profound leaps forward in our society haven't been this new idea or haven't been this grand scheme. They've just been a small tweak on something we already have. And I think that that's our language and it gets me back to a, a previous talk I gave about where... We need a new dimension in language. And I think there's something to adding a prefix and a suffix to language that would denote intent. Right? And as I'm as I'm mowing this over in my head, you know, I think that intent is a problem because We have so many people right now using ambiguous language that say all these things that don't mean anything. All these euphemisms and all this just junk. And there's industries surrounded by it. All this maritime law and all these certain ways of speaking in a court that allow you to have control of the floor and these formal argumentation strategies and the trivium and like you know just all these ways of getting out of what you're supposed to fucking do is there some form of of getting back to basics I you know in some ways i think to myself our language has deteriorated because people have tried to find ways to simplify it to make people responsible. You know what I mean by that? Like if you sign an insurance contract, they you have all this literature, and then at the end, they say, look, we got you totally covered unless there's an act of God. And you're like, What? He's like, "Yeah, it sounds pretty good, right? Listen, man, we're going to pay you a million dollars if your ha- if this happens or if that happens, if this happens, we're going we got you covered, man. You got the you got a golden platinum plated fucking apol policy right here, man. You got it." And I'm like, "Yeah, but what's the what's the last line again?" "Oh, the last line says, "unless there's an act of god." What the fuck is that? Well, that would be like if there was um, An act of God would be something where we don't want to pay you. We see, we just wanted to leave a little bit of wiggle room in case we want to tell you to go get fucked. Well, then why would I pay you anything? Listen, man, you got to have insurance. It's the fucking law. You see... Like that... Is, is why we could change, we need to get rid of this ambiguous language. And I think if we could use a suffix or a prefix, we could have new language or a contract where, hey, this contract is written in fifth dimension language using the X prefix. Thus, anything written in this contract, it was written with an intent to not have malice. Therefore, there's no act of God where they where you won't pay me. I signed on for insurance, you said you'd do it. Fuck you pay me. Comprende? Now I know what you're thinking. You're like, "Well, what about fraud, George? What about the guy who fucking burned his house down?" Well, see that the the new language, the the prefix would denote the insurance company having intent, and then the suffix would be the guy that had intent. That it's a it's an extreme honorific form of language. So the insurance company that would fucking r- agree to this policy, they would pay you regardless of what happened. The person who filed for the claim, if there's malice, the penalty for that guy is death. Oh, you committed fraud? We're going to kill your fucking family. And the same thing for the insurance company. Listen, listen, Oh, you're gonna fuck this guy? Okay, we're gonna kill you. You entered into the fifth dimension prefix suffix contract with honorific language. If you don't abide by it, you die. How about that? I would sign on to that contract. Like, I I would be the guy that, dude, I'm not gonna burn my house down. So, fuck you, pay me, right? I think that would get us away from the ambiguous language. I'm not sure that that gets us away from the subject-object part of the relationships, though. And I I need to work more on that. I need to try and figure out how we get away from the subject-object relationship. And one thing you might be able to do, I was talking to another friend of mine, and we were talking about how... Remember when, when... google was a noun it was a google it was a noun it was the name of a company but because google is a search engine it became a verb it went from a noun to a verb we changed a noun to a verb and what happened when google the noun turned into google the verb you know what happened They switched their motto from don't be evil. They took that out. So could you make the argument that when we change our language from nouns to verbs, it changes the very idea. It changes the structure. It changes the mission statement. It changes the good intentions behind the word. It changes the intent of the word. Changing the, changing a noun to a verb changes intent. See, that's gonna fit in somewhere. That's gonna fit in into the intent of language. It's gonna change it somewhere. I know this is rough. I'm just working this out in my head. I don't I don't know if I'm gonna post this, but this is or just, these are, this is how I work it out. That's how I work it out. So, changing and why not why can't we change more nouns to verbs if we change nouns to verbs and if we change other parts of words to different structures and we know it changes intent won't that also change the way we operate in life if we follow the premise that the world is made of language, and now we begin using our language in a different way. How can it not have profound effects on the way we see and operate in the environment? It has to. It has to. You know, one extreme form of the subject object relationship is these fucking goddamn weirdos on TV. Look, like, it's not fair to always pick on the Kardashians. I'm, I, in some ways, I'm sorry. Like, I feel so horrible for them. Like, but they are objects, right? That's an object. Like, how much money? Like, think about the sub. Like, the subject is the company that owns the object. So, if we say Kylie Jenner is a product owned by fucking. Lord knows how many people own a piece of that fucking object However The subjects Control her Like that's why she pays people to have her babies Imagine fucking that Like you are a woman Who is a fucking object And you're so worried about your body changing You're gonna pay someone else to have your fucking baby Yep That's so fucking twisted every man who's had a kid has put his hand on the stomach of the woman he loves and been like get goosebumps and think to themselves that's my child in there do you think like kylie jenner's fucking i i don't even i don't know can you imagine a woman who pays another woman to have a baby i, I guess i should qualify it with you know if if a woman can't have a baby that's different but a woman who's completely capable of having her own baby but has enough money to pay another woman to have her baby do you think the husband goes over there and puts the hand on the stomach of the surrogate and be like that's kind of my baby in there do they go over together and do it like think about how sick of a society we have to be where a, a woman would rather not wreck her fucking body and have more money That's what I mean by like our society is so sick that the people who appear to be thriving are the sickest. It's so twisted. You know, I, on a related subject, I, I was looking at, like, if if I want to take a video, okay, this is kind of sinister, but it's, I think it's informative. Let's say that I want to promote a video I do on Facebook or Instagram or pick your poison. I can pay those companies. Say, let's just go with something like, uh, let's say I pay Facebook a hundred bucks and they say, no problem. A hundred bucks will show your ad to 20,000 people in 10 days. Would you like to pick your target demographics? Okay. Again, with the language. Target demographics. Target demographics. Target demographics. What the fuck does that mean? First off, you want to target some people? When I think of a target, I think of a gun sight. Right? Hey. I'll put a target on that guy's back. Let's target the people we want to buy this. There's almost an implicit threat. When you target something, it's almost like you want to kill it. Or you want to shoot it. You want to nail it. You want to hit it. Hitting is violence. The word target implies violence. Target demographics. What are demographics? Oh, well, demographics is a way that we as a corporation are able to quantify and qualify a subset of the population who is most likely to respond to what you're saying. Hmm. So tell me more. Oh, okay. So let's say that I want to sell some shoes to a group of people... That really want to buy shoes Okay How would you do that Well I would find a guy That Is charismatic I would find a guy that Is Maybe serves An ability To Have a huge name that we can build a story behind and is successful, okay. What kind of story could we build? Well, let's 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 find somebody who likes shoes. People that love sports love shoes; they gotta have them, okay. People that work need everybody need shoes, okay. Well, let's for this particular exercise, let's find a group of athletic men who want to wear shoes, and we could. We could find someone that stands up for the rights of these particular people. And maybe, maybe, I don't know. I kind of lost myself there, man. I don't know. It's so fucking fucked up to me. Like, like how does Colin Kaepernick stand up and and talk about different race relations when he works for a goddamn company who has slave fucking labor. Colin, fuck face. You fucking retard. You have the opportunity to be a goddamn phenomenal civil rights leader. And yet, you are gonna take millions of dollars From a company of fucking white people who employ fucking slaves in third world countries you fucking dickhead How can your message have any Fucking bearing you have zero weight in your fucking arguments dumbass Why don't you fucking tell nike to go get fucked and then your message will have something Because you don't have the fucking balls to tell the people giving you money. They're wrong You'll stand up and fucking run your mouth to people that don't matter. But when you fucking go face to face with the fucking very slave owner that's fucking sending you a check, you stick your tail between your legs and run like a fucking coward. Right? It makes me so upset. Like, if you want to know a phenomenal civil rights leader, you should look at Muhammad Ali. Like, if I could talk to Colin Kaepernick, I would say... Colin, why don't you start watching some fucking videos of Muhammad Ali? You have any idea how articulate that guy was? You have any idea the fucking messages that guy was putting out to the community that he cared about? And then it just goes to show you how owned the fucking message is. How owned that is. It's ridiculous, man, and it makes me mad to see people I care about. Regardless of their color, listening to a guy whose message comes from the very people they're claiming to fucking be away from. If you just, you know, if you just take your fingernail and scrape through the cold grease, it's pretty easy to wipe away the fucking gunk and see what's happening, I don't know. I just, I don't get it. Anyways, I love you guys. Aloha. Aloha, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me and the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you've taken some time to listen to this whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart additionally I would like to try to inspire everyone the world is a crazy place and if you listen to your heart and you take some chances I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine I've been doing the podcast for about five years last year I decided to take the plunge Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge, and I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now, and it's been so rewarding to me that I just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true, but you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision, and I hope you all conquer it. And I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it, and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better, your life will be better, and you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.